Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. But I want to continue in this being gripped because Enoch was gripped, and I'm going to just talk from a very reverent place as I really feel deep inside where my, not, that my insides are shaking. My spirit is, is being just, just touched by the Lord right now. And, and I just want to spend some time on this as I feel as, as we just got into worship, I myself experienced, and I hope you do, uh, uh, moments of, 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 of actually feeling that, that squeeze and that grip from, from the presence of our Lord. Amen? There's something about the Lord, and there's something about him, how he takes us by the hand. And there's something about him and how he holds us in his hands. You've ever felt where something occurred in your life, and you knew that that was evident, that that was the hand of God in your life? How many of you could testify of that? You guys have no idea how hard it is. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I <clears throat> some people share testimony sometimes of close encounters with death. <laughs> and those are always scary. And then they, 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 they get to a point, some people, some conversations I've had, and they say, if it wasn't for the hand of God, I'd probably be dead. You've ever heard someone say that? So good. There, there's something about the Lord and, and how he takes us by the hand, but I don't want to just stop there. Not only does he take us by the hand, but there's something about him, how he holds us in his hands. I love that, that he does take me by the hand, but all over scripture there's also this reminder that not only does he take me by my hand, but he holds me as well. And he holds me in his hand. The hand of God, if taking notes it's it's very popular in the bible the hand of god i don't know how long this will go and where we're gonna where this is gonna branch into but the truth is the hand of god is a popular theme in the bible and it's written about in many occasions throughout scripture the hand of god and not only that but in your life you've experienced it and you've experienced it in different ways and you've experienced it different occurrences in your own personal life. <clears throat> but I'm going to give you an example of not only, not just one example, not just one example, but, but an example of not only does the hand of God hold us and take us by the hand, um, yeah, but takes us by the hand, but it also interferes, or a better word is intervenes, intervenes with the hand of wickedness that might arise in your life. There's a hand of godliness but I want you to know that there's also a hand of wickedness. Amen? We, we need to come to the realization that, and every day when we wake up and go to sleep, that there is a heaven and there, there is a hell. There are rulers. Like, there is not just a God that sits in his throne, but there are angels that surround his throne. And there's also a fallen angel who was kicked out of his throne with a third, a third of angels. And those guys are called, and then they cause demons as well, and... And then those guys are called 
rulers of this world. They're called powers, Paul says, and principalities and the rulers of this dark age. We have to understand that for the hand of godliness, the hand of holiness, the hand of righteousness, there's also a hand of wickedness, a hand of darkness, a hand of evil as well that is being dealt to people. You understand that, right? So I'll give you one example how his hand intervenes even with the hand of wickedness. There's so much, but in Jeremiah 15:21, I'll read it from the NLT, then I'll read ASV. He says this in the NLT. He says, yes, I will certainly keep you safe from these wicked men. I will rescue, rescue you from the cruel hands. One translation, ESV says, I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked, and I will redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. The hands of God. All over scriptures, it's constant reminders that we're not just passing by earth. If, if you've ever felt like, man, what am I here on earth? And I feel like I'm just passing by earth. And those thoughts are lies. Those thoughts are not of truth, in a sense. We're not just passing by earth. We're not just floating by. We're not, we're not just aimlessly just going through this. We're not floating around wherever life may take us. We're not just here waiting and, and clueless even about what's next to come. We might not have a full idea or understanding of it, but you have what is called a spirit living inside of you. I hope you do. If not, <laughs> that'd be scary, but you have a voice that is inside of you. I love that when people do wrong they don't even need laws to tell them that it's wrong. I don't think you need a law that says that if you kill someone, you're going to go to jail. And depending on where you live at, you might even get charged a little bit more extreme and you might also die <clears throat> and get death penalty. I don't think you need a law. But I think that the law of the Spirit has been placed in our hearts. That we know because of the Spirit that God's given us, whether you're a believer or not. You could be an atheist or you could be uh, uh, in a whole other faith or a whole other religion but there's something in all of creation that was given to us by our creator that says not a good idea things are going to happen if you do that I believe that is a gift from God how many of you could say amen all over scripture all over scripture I, I want to make sure you understand this we're not clueless we might not understand it all but we get this stuff and God has put something in us that at least for me I know I'm in this world, but I know that deep down inside, there, there, there is this man that cries out that recognizes in this world, but what is awaiting me is a whole other kingdom, a whole other kingdom, a whole other way of doing things, that I know that when I take my last breath, I know that there is another breath that awaits me in eternity. That has, does not have to be taught to me. There is something inside of me that teaches me that every single day. All over scripture, there's a mention of God's hand. God's hand is holding us. Isaiah 41, Isaiah, all through Isaiah 41. Actually, I won't even read the whole passage. And all, even all through Isaiah 49. Actually, almost the whole book of Isaiah. But in Isaiah 41, 13, he says, For I hold you by your right hand, I the Lord your God. And I say to you, do not be afraid, for I am here to be your help. I am here to help you. Thank you, because in this room, I'm sure that there's a lot of people here that need a lot of help. And the Lord looks at us in passages like this and he says, not only do I help you, but I also hold you. I hold you by the hand. 
I say to you, I hold you by the hand and I tell you, don't be afraid, I am here to help you. I am your helper. In Isaiah, we see mention that, that the Lord is holding our hand. We see mentions of this, that he's holding us, he's holding us with, his righteous, with his righteous hand. And it goes on, his right hand, his righteous hand, his hand. I mean, it's just all over scripture. Even, even when it speaks of Jerusalem in Isaiah 49, 16, look what he says about Jerusalem. And I'm going to explain to you how it's also speaking the same thing about us. I'll prove it to you with the New Testament scripture, what Jesus says. But speaking of Jerusalem, these are the exact words. God says, I have written your names in the palm of my hands. I've written your names in the palm. He, yes, the context of that scripture is literally talking about Jerusalem because I didn't read the second half of that verse. It says, and the walls of Jerusalem, he talks about the walls of Jerusalem are kept in my mind forever. So he's basically like, I have you in a border and I'm keeping you together. You, I hold you in my hand. I write your names down. We've preached that here before. We've preached that here so many times, so I don't want to be repetitive about when you fall in love with someone, you start writing their initials and their names on your palm of your hands when you were a young kid. You know, you first started with the little immaturity stuff, I love SOS, so that everyone in your class knew that you're starting to like someone, but then when it becomes official, because they circled, yeah, remember that preaching? Then you put their name. He writes you in the palm of his hands. It's not SOS. He writes your name so that... while they're enthroned around him, singing songs to him, they see the names that are written in the palm of his hands. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. So here we go. I don't believe he just holds us, but his desire, this is from my heart as I was writing notes here, but his desire and purpose is to hold us together. Not just holds us, but holds us together. And what I mean is that in his hand we're held up, that our lives are not falling apart, where we rise, where we finally, or we get to a place where we rise in consistency. We rise to a place of consistency where our faith is not being shattered or threatened every day. But that scripture reminds us that it is actually now growing every day. I need you to understand the difference. I am not bashing any of you, and I'm not hitting any of you on the head, and I am not... um, I'm not being mean in any way. I'm telling us all as a family that we must come to a place in his presence where we say, I just don't know if I'm going to serve him anymore. That's immaturity. Or I don't know if my faith is there anymore. What do you mean? Nowhere in scripture can we back that up biblically. The Bible says we go to greater faith. We've preached here for months. We go from glory to what? Glory. So if we are... In his hands, he's holding us together. What I mean, yes, together as a body, as a family, but that's not necessarily the only thing I'm talking about. I'm talking about he holds you together. (laughs) Like, have you ever told someone, get yourself together? Or have you ever looked at yourself and have said to yourself, I need to what? Get myself together. So what does the Lord do? He holds you in his hands and he says what? I got yourself together. Okay, and that's what he's doing in in the palm of his hands. Because why? Let's be very open and honest and blunt here. The majority of us, we could probably admit, we don't have ourselves together. And because we could say that, then there's only one thing to say. Jump into his hands so that you could get yourself together. Are you with me? Our lives should not be constantly falling apart. 
your circumstances, oh, I just felt that. Your circumstances can be falling apart, but it doesn't mean that your life should be falling apart. Two different things. The life of the faithless is this. Their circumstances fall apart, so their life falls apart. The life of the faithful, their circumstances fall apart, but their faith keeps them in part. Are you with me? Come on, give God some praise. That's good. I felt that. I felt the Lord gave me that right now. So he's holding us together. He's holding us together. We should not be falling apart. I'm not talking about your circumstances. To be honest with you, it's okay if your circumstances fall apart. Because Paul says things like, I have joy in his sufferings. Paul says things like, my circumstances is suffering, but my inner man is receiving joy every morning. Weird stuff that people talk about when they experience encounters of being held together in his hands. Life stinks but man, have I me made more alive than ever in his hands. She left me. He left me. They left me. I got fired. I can't pay the next bill. Oh, my God, this person just died. Everything seems dark and hellish, but there is a heaven and a kingdom that is being made alive inside of you. How is that possible? Because the faithful are written in his hands. My God, I feel that today. Definitely not going to finish this whole thing today. And scripture reminds us that we're growing each day. There is a, what the word is, maturity. Paul goes deeper. He uses a word that strikes a chord to the church and to the western church. Because God forbid, and, and to some theologies out there, that they, all they preach about is that man is useless and man is unworthy. And, and, and I mean, such heavy theology that, that God forbid if you boast for once in the glory of God. No. You must always say that you are nothing. And you, no, we, we need to understand that in Christ, I am something. I can't, I got, I got, my mind is hard in itself already. And this theology and this scripture shows me that no, now I'm elevated in places with him. I am of worth and I am of glory and I am of honor. And praise comes out of me because of the places where I stand before the presence of God. So, so, so why is this important? Because Paul uses a word that could really strike a chord to some of us. And it's this, uh, where we're entering into perfection. And, and we're so scared to preach that. Are you being perfected? Oh, brother, no, I can't say that. I'm a sinner and I need God. We all know that elementary principle already. But when, I, when Paul says, are you being perfected? Are you entering into the perfection of the Lord? He's saying, are you growing in maturity? We know that we're not perfect. We know that you're, we need to get over, like we know that we are sinful people saved by grace. Through faith, we receive salvation. Like those are elementary principles that we know and our faith is founded upon. But, but from there, from there, from that place, are we growing? Are we maturing? Or is the life around us reckless? So then we say, well, if everything is reckless around me, then I might as well live reckless within me. That's not of God. Of God and of faith and of maturity and of perfection is reckless things around me. But man, I got myself together in Jesus. From milk to solid food. From milk to solid food. From milk to solid food. 
Being held up in his hands, we should be experiencing greater degrees of worship. Being held in his hands, we should be receiving and experiencing greater degrees of prayer, of revelation, greater degrees in joy, in peace, in forbearance, or depending on what translation the fruit of the Spirit you have, long-suffering, long-suffering. I suffer long if I have to for the glory of the King. Long-suffering. We should be experiencing kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Like that stuff should be maturing. Let's go back to it. Is your joy maturing? Is your peace maturing? Is your long-suffering maturing? Is your kindness maturing? Is your goodness maturing? Is your faithfulness maturing? Is your gentleness maturing? Is your self-control maturing? And the greatest of these is love. Is your love maturing? Man, we really, sorry. We, we, is your love maturing? We should be growing in greater love. We should be growing in greater love. We are being held together in his hands. What good is speaking in tongue or working signs and wonders and miracles but yet have no love? Mondo opened up with that last Sunday. We're like a clashing cymbal. We're just a lot of noise with no real substance inside of us. But the substance of the believer is the number one evidence of a believer. It's not just boldness. The baptism of the Holy Spirit that just gives you boldness. But erupts from you this encounter of love that can't do anything but love others. Love God. How? Not privately. Publicly. If you thought Christianity had everything to do with a private faith, it doesn't. It is public that is why many of your brothers and sisters when you get into the kingdom of heaven they'll look at you and say what happened to you for serving the lord and then when you ask them they'll say well i was burned on a pole they dipped me in wax and they burned me on a pole and they set me on fire and a bunch of heathens were eating red meat and drinking wine and liquor and they were having a fiesta a party while i was burning with wax that's what i did for my king what did you do study Bible history. It happened, and it's still happening today. Not that many years ago, a bunch of Christians were lined up by the beach. I think it was 22 Christians lined up by the beach, and ISIS got right behind them, dressed all in black, and one by one in front of television cameras to bring fear to the United States of America. They took, they took a, I'll make sure everyone's of age, but, but they chopped every single one of their heads. And everyone from the television in the United States had to see that. That our public news had to see that. And everyone had to see that. But those people in there, as they looked shameful and they were on their knees and their heads were getting cut off, I'm telling you that as that was happening, there were angels in the throne of God. And they were singing and they were giving glory. Because those are the things that angels look at and marvel. And they don't understand. They've never seen you in person. But yet they're willing to die for a man named Jesus and they're flapping their wings and they're singing glory and there's people on earth being killed for the Lord. Let the fire of heaven fall deep in your heart. If it wasn't for that fire in their heart, I don't know. Allah Akbar. Greater love, greater love. That's right. I will not recant. I will not turn my, my, my lips will not go against my beloved. My name is Enoch and I am a man of devotion and I walk close in fellowship with the Lord. 
yours. Those are the things that we're talking about here. Greater love. We're being held together in the hands of God. There should be a love that is erupting through us because of a great love that's erupting in us. Isaiah 49, let's go back to that. It's not just Jerusalem. Let me read it one more time. It's not just Jerusalem. I have written your names in the palm of my hands, the walls of Jerusalem. It's not just Jerusalem, but we are also written and we are also held in his hands. I'm going to fast forward. There is a scripture when he says, For my Father has given them to me, and he's more powerful than anyone, and no one can snatch them from my Father's hands. Right then and there in the New Testament, he is repeating exactly what was said about Jerusalem in the Old Testament. Not only is, are they held in my Father's hands, but all of you, my sheep hear my voice and they hear me. All of you, my sheep, my Father has given to them, and holds them in his hands, and no one can snatch them from my hands. So it's not just for Jerusalem. We're written, and I'm held in his hands. I'm having a bad day. Just look at his hands. His, your name is in his hands. And, and I want to share some, some heart with you right here. I've come to trust. Please listen to this. I've come to trust that this is the place where my life is being held. It has been gripped. I don't say that word lightly today. I say it for what it means. It has been gripped, and in his grip, we learn intimacy. We learn Enoch lifestyle. What do I mean? We learn how to what? My family and my ancestors before me, none of them lived in close fellowship with the Lord. But here I am. I'm a man of devotion by my name. My name is Enoch. And what happens to him? He's gripped. And in that grip, he is so intimate with the Lord that the Lord says, Enoch, can you just come over here and be with me already? <laughs> Imagine being in the places where the Lord looks at you and says, come up here and be with me already. <laughs> in his grip... Not only do we learn intimacy, but we encounter. This is so important for today. And I feel like this is what the Holy Spirit is doing in my heart right now through worship and even as I'm preaching. That in his grip, we encounter where we can run wild again as sons. Run wild. No longer being restrained or constricted. I hear stories of people saying that they were worshiping in church and people came up to them and said, we don't do that in this church. What? We worship God in this church. We sing songs to God in this church. We scream if God leads us to scream in this church. We cry if we want to cry in this church. We are the church. We are the people of God. As we gather, we are it. Where we run wild in my own private relationship with the Lord, wild again as sons. Please listen to this. That I don't have to be preserved and I don't need to be formal as the church has always taught us to be, but that I can cry, I can yell, I can sit, I can even dance, and I can lay out if I want to before the presence of God. Who are you to think that when that happens, you're allowed to fall on your face? Who? Look at his hands. My name is written. He holds me in his hands. I can lay out in his glory if I want to lay out in his glory. I could speak in another language if the Spirit of the Lord falls on me and, and, and gives me the ability to. Are you guys understanding this? In his hands, we learn how to be wild again. Wild sons. And obviously, women, I'm talking to you too, wild daughters. That we could run wild again. That I don't have to be preserved and formal. That I don't have to be preserved and formal. That I don't have to follow a certain guideline. As long as, as, long as it's biblical, as long as it's not against his word, Lord... Take me past the borders of man and, and take me to stretch me to places that I have never even encountered or seen, heard before. Because we've been gripped, and this grip, we're experiencing that in God, listen to this, that I can pray, 
because I've been gripped and, and in this grip I've experienced that the God that I pray to, that I sing to, and that I live for, so important, is not only this God that sits on a throne and is waiting to meet us all on this great day of judgment to tell us all the wrong we've done. Do you know how many Christians have that idea about God? He's this God who sits on the throne and one day I'm going to see him. I got to make sure everything's okay because that day on judgment, I got to make sure everything is right. There is no way that my son thinks like that about me. When he does wrong, he might, which is fine. When I do wrong, I might understand that he is a lion on his throne. But there's no way that right now I walk into that room that my son is like, oh my God, my God, my father's here. Judgment day, he's here, arrive, he's going to slap me. There's no way. That's not true sonship. You know what that's called? That's called abuse. That's what most people have gone through and have experienced. Spiritual abuse. Follow this. Do this. Hold my Bible. Walk beside me. Don't talk until I tell you. Shut up. We're sons. We're daughters of God. You and I, I and you, all of us, ourselves, we are. And might walk into that place. My son, my son just doesn't go. Dad is here. My son might go, Dad! Because <laughs> he does weird things like that with me. He does. He's a boy. He likes to show off. And then he likes to dance with it. But he does it before. He won't do it in front of you. Better not. He might. Actually, rewind. He might do that in front of you. But he has a freedom to do it in front of me. Because he understands that's father. And he laughs with me and he smiles with me. You know, when I come before the presence of God, it's just like he's laughing sometimes. And he's smiling. And he's like, are you serious? That's all you're going to pray? My son might be like, dad, please. Sometimes he wows me because he always asks for so much. But there's sometimes he's like, God, please. Just, just. And then he goes, I don't know how to say this. He does. Or he says, dad, I'm sorry to say this to you. I just want, and then it's like an M&M. I'm like, one? Should have asked for the whole bag. But in Revelation, he'll understand. He'll understand, oh, wait a minute. Every time I ask dad for M&M, he gives me the bag. So I might start praying and asking different. I might just say, hey, dad, I'm going to come to you. But I'm not going to just ask for the M&M today. Dad, I'm coming for you for the whole bag. And God's like, okay, you're thinking a little bit more like me. Son. I want you to understand as sons, we've been gripped and I've experienced that God, this God that I pray to, that I sing to, that I live for, is not only a God who sits on a throne and is waiting to meet me on this great day of judgment to tell me everything I've done wrong. He's not ashamed of me as I've allowed lies to enter my mind, causing me, myself, to be ashamed of myself. You want to know who's the person that is most ashamed of me? I am. I, sh- I, I will live being ashamed of myself. So I have to like, get yourself together. <laughs> Because I know what it is to walk around and say, I'm so ashamed. And God's like, for what? I'm not. I'm not. Being gripped allows you to experience that he is not mad at you. Always. Some of you live as you're ashamed. He's ashamed of me. Some of you live, he's always mad at you. Always. Sometimes he's disappointed. Yeah. But mad to send you to hell right away? No, not necessarily. If you are in his hands, if you're in the palm of his hands, I'm talking to a bunch of believers, I'm hoping here. Always being gripped allows you to experience that, 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 you are, that, you are, that you, you're not farther from him than you think. It doesn't, it doesn't give me, being gripped in his hands doesn't give me the sense that he's far away as this mythical character. He's not. He, doesn't, he, he is not a Greek 
mythical creature of creation. He's not. He, he trusts me. He's greater than all those You put all those characters together, and yet they still don't touch the toenail of God. The pits of God. They don't. They, they, our God is so much greater than that stuff. We need to understand this. We can't look at him as we're being gripped in him as this God that I have to do all of my best to do good in order to make it to him. We need to come to the realization that there is no good that I can do that would allow me to make it to the mountain of God. It is because he is good and he is a good, good father. And that is the reason why I make it into the mountain of God, into the places where the Lord dwells. It's because he's good. Moses wasn't good. Elijah, none of these men were good. None of Enoch, who I'm talking about, though we don't have too much of his history, of his past, he wasn't good either. None of us are necessarily good. Get over it. He's good. And his goodness is enough for us to what? To get into the presence of the Lord and what? And live there. How long? Forever. Even when I die? Yeah. That it goes into eternity. Man, being gripped allows you to experience all these things. Man, we've done such a poor job, huh? Being gripped has shown that he's just not scary God. How many of you pray to him? How many of you drive? How many of you, you slip up and you mess up and you're like, oh, fear and scary stuff comes upon you? God is not scary God. He's not that to the believer. Being gripped does not mean that God is a scary God. Listen to this. Being gripped means that I could actually fear him while never being scared of him. Whew. That's totally different. I could fear God. With reverence and awe, like I just did during this worship service. And not just hurry, you guys, so you could get out here and eat lunch. I could fear God. But yet, I'm not scared of him. How can I be scared of him? If not, he's not my father. How can my son be scared of me? He's not. He's not. Now, when he does wrong, he better fear me when he comes home. My daughter's still little. She's in my eyes right now. She's still perfect. She's two years old. My son, I'm seeing the sin climb. I'm seeing depravity at its, at its growth with my son. You know, human depravity. No one has to teach that theologically. I see it in my toddler. No one has to bash it over my head. I see it in him. My daughter, too, but she's my daughter. Don't talk bad about her. Let's go with my son for a second. <laughs> Just kidding. But, but, but you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. He, he better fear me, but to be scared of me, Dad, I'm so scared. Don't ever be scared of me. Don't ever be scared. And, 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 if, and if we're scared before him, then he's not father and we're not sons. But, but fear, reverence, and awe, that's totally different. Yes, you should have that for your father. I am my father's pastor. I pastor my father, but I also fear my father. So I pastor the man I fear. I'm not scared of my dad, but I fear him. He's not here today. He's working hard today. Keeping prayers. He'll be back with us next Sunday. But, but I fear him, and I'm pastoring him, though I have the fear of the Lord for my father. Because he knows the Lord. When my father says, I feel like the Lord is speaking to me, I promise you, I listen to him. Because I know when he really says that, when he says that to me, I know God's really speaking to him. Because he says it when God really speaks to him. I fear him, so I listen. Are you guys getting this? I don't, I'm not scared. Jesus, back to John 10, he holds us together. For my Father has given them to me. He's more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hands. The Father and I are one. 
I am gripped. Everyone say, I am gripped. I am gripped. New series, gripped. We spent five weeks, five teachings on steward the fellowship. Steward, wow. Steward the dwelling. Wednesday, we, we went over part five. And today, we enter into gripped. The Father and I are one. He grips them in his hand. The word grips, uh, uh, gripped. I don't know if you need a definition, but it's obvious, right? The word gripped, to take and keep a firm hold of. I like this one, to grasp tightly. But my favorite one is this one. Deeply affect someone or deeply affected by someone. I've been deeply affected by someone, and that is causing me now to live a life that deeply affects others. Yes or no? We read last week Philippians 3. We read this. This is just introduction stuff. I'm, I might go into like anxiety. I, I've had so many talks with all of you guys, and anxiety is so highlighted in today's humanity it's crazy i guess the times we live in um maybe we'll talk about the grip of anxiety and the grip of fear the grip of success the grip of whatever you might feel but but let's be honest with every week that we go by and grip you need to understand that regardless of what grips you until he finally grips you you're not gonna you're not gonna have victory over those things that have gripped you and have had power over you like maybe what needs to happen for you to break free from those things is get to the place where finally you're gripped by another, by the other, by the only one, and not by so many others. How many times have we said here, there are many lovers love, but there's only one lover's love. No one can love me the way my lover's love loves me, though there are many other lover's loves. It's all confusing in this church. Here we go. Philippians 3.12 says, not that I have already attained or I am already perfected. Remember this last week? But I press on. I press on. Everyone say press on. I hold on. Say hold on. I like this. I grip on. I grip on that I may lay hold, that I may grip a hold of, that I may grip on, that I may grip to that, grip that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me, that I could grip onto that which has been gripped upon me, that which Jesus has gripped me, which Jesus has laid hold upon me. I now grip that which has gripped me. Do you see relationship here? Can you imagine if I hold my wife's hand and she does this the whole time? Come on, woman. (laughs) Tightly grasp your husband. But as a man, I want her to grab me back. If she does that to me, she wants me to grab her back. So I love that Paul says, not that I'm already perfected or fully matured yet. He is maturing but I press on, you see, he's maturing, and I, that I may grip, that I may lay hold that for which Jesus has also laid hold of me. I'm gripping back to the one who has gripped me. What does that mean? Okay, let's get over it. Ready? He first saved you. He first touched you. He first came to you. You did not first come to him. Does everyone understand that? But now that he's finally come to you, that does not mean that now your lifestyle should be constantly going to him. Do you get me? So, so I did nothing to get to him. He did everything to get to me. But now that he's gripped me, I now live my life, what? Gripping onto him. 
And that's what, that's what Paul is saying here. Christ had a firm hold on Paul. And we see that through Paul's life, he was, man, deeply affected. Back to the definition of grip. He was deeply affected by the Lord's presence. If you remember when it started, you remember that it started on a road, on a road called Damascus, on the way with papers from high officials to what? To persecute, arrest Christians, those of the way. But on his path to go do a lot of evil and harm and wickedness, the hand of wickedness, God intervened the hand of wickedness, put it away, and he brought his hand of glory, his hand of grip upon Paul's life. Paul was thrown off a horse, blinded for three days, had to go to another man of God's house. The man of God had to pray on him, opened up his eyes, and he says, now let me go again so that I could take the gospel to everyone that I was once part of their team. <laughs> Why not? Let's give God some glory. That's weak. This was a man who was gripped. He, he had a firm hold, and we see that he was deeply affected. And we see that it started in Damascus Road. It did not end in Damascus Road. Trust me when I tell you, if you read his epistles, if you read his letters, if you look through his life, Paul's life continued, continued, continued to deepen in the grip. It continued to be deeply affected by God. I know that. I just shared with you. Maybe 20 minutes ago that he writes, I know a man that went up to the third heavens. He's talking about himself. I am so gripped by him. I am so close to him that he decided to snatch me from earth for a moment. And in the spirit realm, I got to see things of heaven that my eyes have never seen. And he comes back to earth and he's writing about an experience with a supernatural glory throne and heavenly realm. And he says, I know a man. He's so humble. Should have just written, I went. <laughs> I mean, how do you get to that place? Man, he was being deeply affected. When? Not just the day he got kicked off his horse on the day of salvation, but deep affection happens all throughout your life. It didn't happen in my honeymoon with my wife. I could tell you this. This week has been a greater deep affection, better than it was in my honeymoon almost 10 years ago. Why? Because that's what relationships look like with friends, with, with love, with God. We're deeply affected. We're, we're, we're aff the affection is growing deeper. So what does that mean? He tells me more secrets every day. He shows me more things every day. How many of you, because of deeper affection, are seeing and hearing and experiencing things deeper every single day? More, you're getting closer and closer. You're not there yet, but man, you definitely aren't where you were yesterday. Why? Because of deeper affection. I'm gripped by his love. So what? And he never lets me go. Wow. In a world where everyone says they love you and everyone lets go of that love. In a world where everyone kisses you in the cheek and you turn around and they stab you in the back. But yet he grips you with love and says, no one will ever snatch you from my hand. And what does that grip mean? It is daily affection, and it grows. So Paul is growing. He's not just getting kicked off horses anymore. Listen, man, I feel this. He's not just getting kicked off horses anymore. But one day, he knows it's his last visit to this church, right, in Ephesians. And he says, I better make this one long because I'm, I'm not going to be here for long. And he preaches all day from sundown to sun up. And in the, second room, in the second floor, second or third floor, the lights, the Bible says, were dim. And there was a young man named... Um, um, Eutychus and Eutychus was sitting by the window still and he was listening to Paul preach and the lights were dim and Paul went for 12 hours preaching 
from sundown to sun up. And as he was preaching, can you imagine? I'm just preaching to you for an hour and you complain. He's preaching for 12 hours. <laughs> 12 hours. And the guy is there. I'm about to do what he did. And he's in the window still. And he falls asleep and he falls from the third or second level to the ground. The service stops. Paul stops his preaching, goes to where he's at, lays on top of the man, tells, grabs him by the hand, grips him by the hand, and tells everyone, it's okay, he's alive. Picks the guy back up, sit down again in your window still, and preaches a whole other day there. <laughs> it's my last day to be with you. I'm going to make this one long. I believe I'm still going to be back here next Sunday. God hasn't told me anything otherwise, so I'll keep this one a little bit shorter than Paul's. But Paul knew that from here, I'm making my way. My aim is Jerusalem, but I'm going to die soon. So i got to stay on this long. i got to unpack everything that God is showing me. Did I tell you that I knew a man that went up to the third heaven? I'm sure he went through that spiel in Ephesus. Because he was going to, he was going to leave. He threw all the goodies out of the bag. You know what I'm talking about. When a preacher who does, who's a guest preacher, he preaches his best message. Well, Paul preaches top 10, 100 messages on that day. Got two days because I'm gone. I'm telling you, Paul went from getting kicked off horses to then grabbing dead people from the hand and said, he's alive. How does that happen? How do you go from persecuting Christians and being kicked off horses so that the Lord can reveal himself to you? So years later, you're grabbing people's hands who are dying because they're being tortured by your long preaching and they're falling asleep and they fell on the floor and you picked them up and said, he's good, he's alive again. I'm telling you that God was working in Paul and through Paul because Paul understood a lifestyle of deeper affections because he was gripped by a love that no religion was able to grip his heart. How do I know that? He walked away from pharisaical religion. I can't deal with this no more. What are we doing as a church? We're walking away from pharisaical religion. What does that mean? If the service goes three, if the service goes two, if the service goes one hour, we'll do it. If the service goes three hours preaching or three hours worship, we'll do it. Why? Because if you put guidelines, you're a Pharisee. But if we are moved by the Spirit, we hear what the Spirit says and we do as the Spirit does. Let the fire from heaven... Paul was growing in that. Paul was, how, how do you have a boldness to preach for so long? <laughs> I'm guessing when you're raptured up into heaven for a little while, you come back and say, I could do whatever. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Have you gone to heaven yet? No, I have, I'm going to preach for 12 hours. I don't know how he died, I don't know, but whatever. But it grows, it grew. He also he talks about all these things. He talks about, like I shared earlier, he talks about joy. And sharing in Christ's sufferings. How do you talk about having joy in suffering? I'll tell you how. Because you've been gripped. I'll tell you how. Because your daily affections are growing. What does that mean? I'm suffering, but I'm joyful. <laughs> does that really make sense to us? I know of several families that it does here. And I could call them by name. And they'll tell you some stories in here how they've suffered but I've never heard them complain. I've seen joy. I've seen joy. How is that possible? Because I bet you those families are gripped by love. They don't even need a pastor to be there with them. They don't even need a brother or sister necessarily to always be there with them because they've come to a place where they recognize that God is with me. And I'm with God. Immaturity is, oh, 
the pastor never called me. Oh, the church never visited me. Wait a minute, do you know God? Do you know God? Did God visit you? Did God call you? Are you gripped yet? Because when that happens, it, nothing else matters. Nothing else. You don't care about anything else. I heard from God this morning. No one called me. No one texted me. No one surrounded me. But I heard from the Lord. And he gave me strength and joy for another day. But everything is suffering and coming down on you. I know. But he speaks to me. I'm gripped. The worship team come up. Trust me because I will do the paw. We'll finish the rest. And God, trust me, this will probably be like steward the dwelling, but this was a man, Paul, who was gripped. He was taken by the hand of God. He was firmly held. Oh, this is a great place, actually. Just listen to this. I'm going to start from the beginning. This Paul, this man, he was a man who was gripped, who was taken by the hand by the hand of God, not only was he taken by the hand, but he was firmly held. I said something in the beginning. I'm going to repeat it exactly how I said it. There is something about the Lord and how he takes us by the hand. Did you remember that? But not only does he take you by the hand, but he also what? He also holds us in his hand. Do you understand that taking you by the hand and holding you in his hands are two different things? I almost want to look at it as taking you by the hand is giving you direction. And I almost want to say taking you in his hand or holding you in his hand is giving you protection. I almost want to say that he takes you by the hand and he says, watch out for cars. They're coming fast and they take red lights. Stay next to Father. And he takes me by the hand. And then there's moments where there's fiery darts coming. There's oppression coming. And then he says, okay, let go of my hand. And jump into it now. Because I come from directing you to also protecting you. If you understand this revelation, that not only do I lead you and guide you, but we said weeks ago, I am also the one who is dressed and ready for war. I protect you. Praise God for that. No, praise God for that. Amen. Praise God for that. That's awesome. I really meant praise God for that. Like, there's something about the Lord and how he takes us by the hand. And he, something about him, how he what? Man, I hope that sits on you today. So this was a man, Paul, who was gripped, taken by the hand of God, who was firmly held. And here it is. Pay attention. Taken by the hand and taken in his hand. Guess what happened with Paul? And he shook an entire region with the message, and with not just the message, but with the works of Jesus Christ. He shook a whole region of the earth. We're just trying to start with, let's just shake a church. And from the church, we'll shake our communities. From the communities, we'll shake a, and we're like, what is it? Something about our city. We'll never win a city 
You'll never win a city. You'll never win a community. You'll never win a person until he's first won you. So we do these awesome slogans. We love our city and we serve our city. That's all good stuff. We need good humanitarian work. We need good service work. We need to do those things. But what we need before we do anything is, is this. Let me first win you. And from winning you, then we'll win others. But it starts here. Gripped. And with this grip upon him, if I had a map of that region, which maybe next Sunday we'll, we'll start where we ended today, I'll show you the region in which Paul just shook. One man. One time he was with Barnabas. They got a little, little, little beef here and there, and then he jumped in with Silas. But one man. He had a little bit of entourage. He had someone that was writing everything for him. He had some prayer warriors around him. He had some people that served alongside him. He needs some accountability with him. He traveled in packs. It's good. But this one man that is constantly mentioned in the scripture, he takes the message of Jesus and he rocks. He rocks certain places. And it's like tremors. He moves from there after a year there. Tremors. After two years there, he spent some months over here. Tremors. And this stuff is tremoring all around the earth. Because one man was gripped. One man was gripped. And being gripped will take you to places, direct you and guide you into places that you could have never even imagined. And while he's taking you and guiding you and leading you, he will also protect you in the places where he leads you and guides you in ways that you could have never imagined. I'm not lying. How many times have you heard me say here that Paul was killed one day? He gets back up. The Lord resurrects him. And he continues to preach, not in a different city, he finishes his message at that same city. I'm not done. You guys killed me before I was done. He goes right back in. <laughs> he preaches one more day. And he goes to the nearby city knowing that they could catch him there. You know why? Because he had the revelation. God doesn't just take me by the hand. Stone me if you want. But he holds me in his hand. That is why I wanted to end here, but I won't. So maybe next Sunday I'll end here. That is why in Acts 20... He tells the church of Ephesians and so on. This is the last time you will see me. This is beautiful, guys. Because I'm, I'm making my way to Jerusalem. And this is the last time you'll see me. I'm done. But do you know what Paul says? Oh, man. Not because man has authority and they're going to kill me. But the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit has compelled me. Has bounded me. Can I, can I use another word? Has gripped me. And he's shown me these things. Paul says, man has no power to kill me. The Holy Spirit showed me that my life is done. So here it is, my last offering to the church. I'm not going to be with you no more. It's true. At the end of Acts 20, you can study this for next week. He jumps into the boat to start taking off. And they're weeping. And they're crying as Paul drifts away. Because they recognize he's not going to be with us anymore. This is the last time we're going to see the apostle. And they started to cry. But not because man, but because the Holy Spirit gripped them and showed him things that only those who are gripped can see and hear. Man, I don't know what else to say to you. That's enough for today. I mean, 
I can't do an altar call. Because I think we all need to be gripped. Better gripped. Last Sunday, I went to go visit a girl after church that they don't know. They say that she could die. I taught her for two years, and now she's 22 years old. We went over there with oil to pray for her. We're talking with the family. love her so much she's sitting right next to me she was a student for two years she would come to my class and hang out and hang out and we'll talk she's suffering from a serious illness which it's taking over her body and she's losing control and the doctors say that so they're trying to figure it all out she's sitting right next to me and as we're talking I feel the Holy Spirit tell me don't pray for her she needs to pray for you. She needs to pray for you. So I looked at her and I said, sweetheart, I said, the Holy Spirit was showing me that we came with an assignment to pray for you. But in reality, I'm, I'm your assignment. You need to pray for me. starts to pray and I grab her hand I said no you pray for me I said lay hands on me while she was praying I gave one petition to the Lord it's one petition the same petition I put in the western wall it's the same petition that I've been carrying in my heart for almost 10 years and I said Lord let this girl heal this petition that I'm praying for Lord because it's killing me it's what takes my joy no one knows this petition. Not even my wife knows this petition because it's me and God. And I can't tell you, from Sunday night, from Sunday night, something happened in my life without me knowing it till like maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. Monday, something happened. The same thing happened, I'm actually going to say. Tuesday, the same thing happened. The whole week. I was wondering, I said, what's going on with this? And then God reminded me, she prayed for you. She prayed for you. That's what happened. I haven't even shared this with the people I went to the house with. Because for seven days now, I wanted to, <laughs> this is me, I wanted to make sure it was real. So I waited to tell, I waited to, like, I'm not telling anyone. Day after day passed. Another day passed. I said, what is happening here? And I just felt the Lord say, I gave her an assignment. And she needed to pray for your healing. I haven't even texted her dad yet to tell her this. 
when the Spirit leads me, I'm gonna text him and say, I want you to know when you're, I want you to tell your daughter that I've been praying for something for 10 years. I gave it to the Lord privately when she laid hands on me. And from the moment that she's prayed, I've seen a divine, supernatural healing like you have no idea. Maybe this was the first confession, maybe the next one is him. Here I thought I was gripped, I'm gripped. So I'm gonna go pray for this girl and heal her in Jesus' name. But I recognize that in her sickness, she was more gripped than I was. And she needed to pray for my sickness. And she needed to heal me. She looks at me on the couch one day, uh, on that day she looked at us. She says, do you want to know something? I said, what is it? She said, when I got the news and the medicine wasn't working, and we had hope that it was, gonna, it was working, and then after 24 hours, it backfired on her and it made her worse. Her whole family went to a slump. Imagine, she could die right now as I'm preaching. It's that serious. She went to her room and she said for hours, she went into prayer, to prayer. And she was explaining it. And the way she explained it is, I went to like a deep prayer. I kind of know what she meant. She looks at me and she's smiling. And she says, and you know what happened? She says, I saw Jesus. The whole family went like this. What did you just say? She said, I saw Jesus. The father says, you never told us this. The mom says, yeah, what did, he, what did he say to you? The beautiful thing is that I have two witnesses that were there with me that can testify of this. He says, he didn't say anything. He came up to me and he just stroked my hair. He just touched me. She's smiling and she looks at me, we're crying. And she smiles, she goes, you can see Jesus, you know, and it's pretty cool. Do you understand that statement? I don't. Because she meant it like, you guys don't see him frequently? It's cool. I see him. It's awesome. It's cool. I feel like she was a daughter saying, it's cool. Religious people be like, don't you ever say cool. You should say you fear and you tremble and you shake and you scared when he shows up. The daughter said, nah, he touched me like this. You could see him, you know, and it's so cool. She was taken to a place where religion can't take her, to a place where only grip can take you. And the only way she could describe it as a son, as a daughter, is it's pretty cool. Everything religiously in me want to say pretty cool. How can she say that? And then God said, that's probably the greatest way you could define me. From a young girl who could be dead tomorrow. When I stroke her hair, I'm good with it. Shut up, Regal. I'm pretty cool. To her, that's what she needed. And to her, that's what I showed her. The God 
who helps you is with you. And I'm pretty cool. I feel like just staying here all day with you today. But it's my brother-in-law's birthday, so I can. It really is. I have to go celebrate with Nancy's family and our family. But I really want to call them and say, let's cancel the plans because bring the party over here. Jonathan is leaving to UCF. If you share, like Jonathan, you're going back to school, high school, middle school, college. You're a teacher. Let's pray for teachers, administrators, any working in the school system or school season. You get it. Let's pray for, let's pray for them. Let's pray this message gripped. I said something on Wednesday. Jonathan, you weren't here Wednesday. To a young man that's going to be leaving to going. Where's Seba going? Go somewhere in Georgia. And I said, brother, well, as soon as you step on that campus, your faith is going to be stirred. Your faith is going to be rocked. They're going to tell you that your faith is wrong. They're going to come against you and they're going to come with some good things that look like good facts. And, but don't ever lose this experience. Don't ever lose this thing that no one can explain, that no knowledge of man could ever explain that your God is real. Don't be distracted by the things of this world, by the things of this, the college life and, and, and it was beautiful to hear that young man say, I went to orientation and I already experienced that. So we need to pray for everyone that's going back to school, for the teachers, that they are gripped, like you, gripped. And when you walk over there, you're not, be a, you're not being affected by the region, but you're gripped affecting the region. Hallelujah. Feel that. Let's go ahead and let's pray. If, if that's you, come up. I'll, I'll pray with you and, and we'll pray with you as a church. That'll be awesome. If you're going back, so student, don't be shy, students. Don't be shy, teachers. Don't be shy, administrators. Come on up. Amen. You can leave it like this. That's good. Ah, put it back on. That's good. Oh, let's, let's, um, let's come like a team. Stand up and maybe stretch out your hands. Hallelujah. Stretch out your hands. Stand and just stretch out your hands over them. Right there where you're standing, just pray over them. Ask for the presence of God just to fill them right now. Ask the Holy Spirit to move. Hallelujah. There's some, there's some teachers in the teaching our kids that can't be here, like my wife. Pray for her as she goes back into work Tuesday as well. She has a lot on her plate this year, as many of you do. Pray, let's just, Lord, that you would grip this, this group here of students, of teachers, of administrators, of whatever they might be. Lord, we come to you tonight, today. We come to you, and we give you all the glory, and all the honor, and all the praise. I thank you as we hold hands right up here, Lord. I pray for every student every teacher that's up here, those that are not here today, those that are in the back with the kids. Lord, for the students that are back there as well. My daughter goes to school, Lord, for the first time. My son goes back. 
a lot of those kids back there go back and Lord, I just pray that every single person that is going back, that they'd be gripped. Gripped with such a love, with such a power, with such an anointing. That whatever happens around them may not happen within them. That whatever happens around them would cause them to be better within. That they would grow more joyful. That they would grow more maturely to the things that you've calling them into. That you would put a fire in their hearts that things don't go their way or when the scores didn't go the way they went or when the, the sleepless nights come. That you would grace them with joy. When temptation comes, when the, when the scenery of, and the attacks of sin and lust and impurity and the hand of wickedness, Lord, when it's dealt with, as we've read that the hand of goodness, the hand of holiness, the righteous hand would intervene and you would secure them. That you would take this group and not just take their hand, but that you would also place them in your hand. Pour out your presence and your spirit over them. And let this school year be a powerful victorious school year that we lift up the banner of Jesus and say man God is so good this year not just with words like Paul but also with works also with works that our works and our words would be aligned and that we'd see great signs wonders and miracles all around us in our classrooms in the hallways in our dorms in the practice fields in competition in everything that the year is consisted of, that you be glorified in it all. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we give all of this to you for you to be magnified and glorified and reign over it all. It's in Jesus' name. And together we say, amen. Amen.